Welcome to another episode of Save Station Report, where this week we'll be discussing such topics as the Apple v. Epic lawsuit, PlayStation partnering with Discord, and some E3 news, some interesting insights into E3, uh, as well as many more news stories. We will also be talking about our own experience with game collecting over the recent years, as well as what we've been playing recently. Uh, please remember that Save Station Report is sort of our sister podcast to our main show, Save Station Radio, where we review one single game, kind of going in depth. This is a sort of more service level thing where we talk about news, what we've been playing recently, and a big topic. Uh, it is also important to remember that it is less polished, so if you hear my dogs barking or me clearing my throat because it's uh, allergy hell for me right now, that is why uh, I also will not be bleeping swears on this one. Uh, so we will be saying the fuck words. Uh, I have your host, Dustin, and with me as always is my co-host, Cotter. Hello there. How you doing? I'm doing well. It's hot, so yeah, the allergies are coming out. Yeah, right. Uh, we got, we got, like, a metric fuck ton of news. Like, I'm not even joking. We got a lot to get to, so let's, let's talk about what you've been playing first. Why don't you jump us off here? Yeah, um... Well, recently, the most recent game release that I got was New Pokemon Snap. Uh, This is a game that I was sort of interested in and then uh, sort of fell off my radar so much that I missed the window to pre-order it. (laughs) Um, Thankfully, the GameStop still had their pre-order bonus posters for me, so I was able to to grab those. The... Yeah, it's one that... I don't know. It's kind of like I I never played the original Pokemon Snap, so uh, picking this up was mainly like, yeah, I'm a Pokemon fan. This will be something chill. Um, I haven't beaten it yet. I've just kind of been playing it off and on, just as a sort of relaxing time. Um, if you are sort of curious about it, I would say if you're looking for a photography game, uh, even though this is technically about taking pictures it is not really a photography game think yeah, of it so that's more what I, was, I was gonna ask you to kind of back up and describe what the game is just in case somebody's coming in not knowing anything yeah about so it. in essence this is a pokemon rail shooter <clears throat> but rather than shooting the pokemon because god that would be awful <laughs> um you take pictures of the pokemon so you just are in a little car you go through a set path um occasionally it'll branch but you know, you'll see that coming usually. And then you just kind of see what Pokemon are around you at any given moment, try and catch them doing fun things, or maybe you throw stuff at them to try and get them to do fun things. And then you can take pictures that way. Um, there's not a lot of like camera, uh, essence where like you, like if you are thinking of, it more of a photography game you're going to be disappointed because you can't mess with like apertures or focal distance or um even things as like framing your shots as like pretty much the high score for the game always relies on getting the subject center frame and as big as possible god that's so i i it's so disappointing to me yeah uh, so that's basically why i haven't picked up this game is because i've heard things like that and it's, it's just such a like, the, the core concept of this is so appealing to me as somebody who really enjoys photography in real life, but also in video games. So I just hearing that this thing is not not that, it just kind of masquerades as that is such a bummer. Yeah, so that's why I think it's important that you sort of 
know what you're getting into. If you're looking for photography, maybe check out something else. I'll mention Umurangi Generation again because that game's cool. Um, but if you're looking for a chill Pokemon game, this one's pretty good. If you're looking for a, a relaxed rail shooter, then this one's also pretty good. So, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far. Set expectations accordingly. Yes. Um, while you've been shooting creatures, I have also been doing that, but of a different kind. Uh, just a quick Resident Evil 4 update for you. Uh, I, f- I finished the game since last time I talked about it. I think it was like halfway through or something. That is a phenomenal game. I think it's great. I still recommend it. Um, you are going to have to fiddle with controls and stuff for the first hour or so playing it. It's going to be a little rough, but I think that game is really fun. I think its combat sandbox is fantastic. Uh, just a just an overall good time. Um, don't have too much to say. Uh, as of recording this, I have my copy of RE Village in my hands. I haven't played it yet, so I can't give impressions here, so you'll have to wait till uh, the next report in two weeks, depending, to hear about that. But yeah, RE4, still a good one. Still a good one. Yeah, that's good to hear. I've heard nothing but good things about RE4, and um, I might be... Uh, in a position to start that pretty soon so that could be exciting yeah i'd be curious to get your perspective on it yeah um this will kind of lead into my next game but i did i did set up a wii again and so that's why if i were to play re4 i have the wii version i'll probably go with that one i hear that one's pretty good anyway so um that's what i would play it on but since i have it set up i jumped back into pikmin 2 uh, believe it or not, this was the only Pikmin game, aside from Hey Pikmin, but we don't really talk about that one. Uh, this is the only one of the trilogy that I didn't finish. <laughs> like, I finished one probably like three or four times, and then I finished three at least twice, if not three times. Uh, but I never yeah, finished Pikmin 2. the context here is you are a big Pikmin fan. Oh, I'm a huge Pikmin fan, but I just never finished Pikmin 2 for whatever reason. So I'm playing it again now. Um, I will say it's probably... I'm getting close i think i'm probably about like 70 percent done with the game but it's probably my least favorite of the trilogy oh really um it just gamifies a lot of like elements where especially since pikmin 2 is the only one to have dungeons <laughs> so you'll like go into a cave system with all the pikmin that you have prepped and then y- you can't get new pikmin until you beat the dungeon there's like five or six or ten or whatever floors and then you pick up treasure and whatever but uh i don't know it's just like this weird it feels a little bit more gamey and less environment and that's something i really cherished about the first game was how just sort of the environment felt it felt very cozy but um i don't know pikmin 2 is still a fantastic game i'm still enjoying it it's just that like it doesn't quite have the same vibe that one and three have nice uh that is a series i'm meaning to get into it's really good (laughs) it's just expensive to get into honestly yeah yeah do you think three is a good place to just jump in yes i think three is not only probably the best game in the trilogy but is a wonderful like introduction point to the series uh there's a lot of good things that like um that introduce the player to the mechanics while still you know expanding on what one and two did uh it doesn't ever feel like overwhelming um i would also say that the 
the Switch version is also really good. <laughs> I played both versions, the Wii U and Switch version. Uh, Switch version is really good if you don't care for using the touchscreen on the Wii U. But yeah, I mean, I played the Switch version on hard mode and it still was like not too bad. So okay, that's that's good to know. I might have to check that one. That's one of the few like Nintendo core series or whatever that I've never even tried. Like most of them, I've at least touched and you know tried. Like I've never played through an F Zero game, but I've played them. Like this is one of the few that I've like I've never even touched a second of it. So probably yeah, should fix um, that someday. And I'll probably talk about Pikmin later on in the episode, too. <laughs> Alright, so another quick hit from me. I finally got around to checking out the next-gen port of Tony Hawk. Um, it's very good, as you'd expect. It looks nice. It runs really well. I believe if you have a display capable of 120 hertz, uh, you can play the game with that way, with that much higher frame rate. So that's nice. Um, otherwise, it runs 60 in both performance and quality modes. Looks fantastic, runs great. It's it's an overall fantastic game. It does have one major flaw. <laughs> and it's and not what is, I expected it to this be. This is the PS5 version, correct? Yeah. Again, sorry listeners for me clearing my throat. Um, <clears throat> so this is the first game that I've played on the PlayStation 5 that has made me go, oh, I need to turn off some of the DualSense features. <laughs> oh, goodness. <laughs> yeah. For some, like, reason, and I have no idea why, like, I, why was this decision made? It's kind of insane. The triggers have resistance in them, which, if you play Tony Hawk, you know you need the trigger to revert to continue your combo after, you know, uh, vert, yeah. after doing vert tricks, which is essential. And so to have any sort of resistance on that, because it's, it's all about timing, and you have to hit it right away, um, you know, it's it's pretty on the nose with that stuff. So to have any sort of resistance in that totally breaks the flow and totally messes you up. <laughs> like, it's kind of an insane inclusion. I have no idea why it's there. It's on by default. You can turn it off, thankfully, just the triggers and not none of the other rumble stuff. But yeah, that be warned on that one. I would just turn it off immediately. Like, it is completely useless. I have no idea why it's there. It totally is detrimental to the experience. That's um, wild. I mean, I don't mind it being there, but it has to respond instantaneously. Like Yeah, that's the thing about Tony it, Hawk. It's 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 not a game where you can afford that second of lag. <laughs> like, yeah, like if you put the response time like as you touch it and then have the resistance afterward, it wouldn't be like as immersive, but it would work better. <laughs> so yeah, I don't know. That's wild weird. though. I can't believe they would kinda because it's all about sort of precision and keeping your combo going. And if you miss that, then your combo ends. Yeah, and it just feels really bad to miss that because it's not your fault because of the controller. Or rather, the implementation here. Um, so yeah, just turn that off immediately. Thankfully, they seem to realize that because it's a separate option from the other stuff. So That's good, at least. Um, and I'm glad so it's yeah. in the game menu and not the system menu because that would be annoying. Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, I would also note, too, the save transfer stuff worked flawlessly for me. Um, I know when it first launched, people were having trouble, but I just had to go into the PS4 version, upload my save, then go into the PS5 version and download it, and it all worked seamlessly. I had my character and everything. Um, just popped into Free Skate and had a good time. So if that's something you're worried about, it, it works really well. Um, all the trophies I had unlocked popped when I did that, too. So everything worked pretty seamlessly for me, if that's a concern of yours. Nice. Good to hear. Um, I really am curious. It appears you've been playing Ocarina of Time. Yeah. Uh, so I was 
listening to some podcast or maybe I was just when I was building my um my video game music playlist up again the I got to thinking about Ocarina of Time again and I was like I never actually I never officially finished it like uh, I think the last time I played it was a virtual console version of the N64 version and I got to the final Ganon the final Ganondorf fight and then stopped playing <laughs> Um, it's a classic. I, don't know. I just I've got really with so frustrated with that fight, so I just never finished it. So I was like, okay, you know, I've played a lot more Zelda games now. I've played Twilight Princess and all that, so I'm like, I should give this game a shot. Uh, I'm playing the 3DS version, of course, because there's I have it, and there's no reason to play the um, the 64 version when the 3DS version is better, unlike Majora's Mask, but. Yeah, man, I I still don't like this game. Um, yeah, you are hard on this game. Like, I'm really hard on this game. Yeah, it's uh, one of I, my all time favorites, so I think I noted a little more of like, ooh, you may don't like this game. I really don't, and it's something where like, and playing it again recently, I'm like, okay, there's a lot of things in here that I can see the merit of, but also it's not 1998 anymore. Like a lot of the stuff is just weaker than every other game that's come since and that's fine because it's the first 3d game it's a huge ambitious thing that they built and that's really impressive it just feels like a weaker version of the rest of them and i know that's kind of a weird perspective especially i mean but it's not like a unique uh, perspective since there's probably a lot of people my age that have that were born maybe after the game came out and are now playing newer games that are better and then going back to this one but there's just so much like waiting and the combat is like pretty simple and boring sometimes where you have to just wait for them to stop blocking so you can stab them um some of the dungeons that i thought were like really cool are actually kind of boring like the fire temple i thought was kind of like okay uh the shadow temple especially is like ridiculously linear and i'm like okay this is kind of just like a challenge gauntlet not really a dungeon but i don't know it's it's something that i am glad i'm playing it again because there is a lot of stuff that i realized oh yeah i remember this and i remember it fondly so i do think the game is good it's just i Maybe it, I think I just get defensive when they're, it's given such high praise because I'm like, but have you played the rest of them? <laughs> like, have you played Twilight Princess? Twilight Princess is like a better version of this one. Um, but I mean, that's not to say that it's bad. I, if you like it, that's fantastic. It's still a fantastic game and it's still one that like um, pioneered the genre for so many and so many things. So like if you look at it in a historical spend sense it's really great if you look at it in a nostalgic sense it's really great if you played it recently and still really enjoy it all power to you uh it's just not for me interesting yeah that that's a game i i used to play it once every couple of years and i haven't in a while at this point uh been meaning to i i love that game and it's weird because my first experience with that game was the virtual console on the wii so i don't know why i like fell in love with that old ass game well that was the first time i played it as well but the i don't know i really enjoyed it then and then 
uh, ha after playing a bunch of that, I jumped into the N64 Virtual Console version of Majora's Mask and did not like it and did not get into it. Yeah, see, that <laughs> Which was also my experience with Majora's a, Mask. Is I it's a very it. common experience of, I really yeah. like Doctrine of Time, let me jump into Majora's Mask. Uh, it is not the same. <laughs> like, it uses the same engine and the same combat and whatever, but it is not the same at all. Uh, and even, like playing Ocarina of Time has really opened my eyes to the amount of things that Majora's Mask even given its short development time fixed in a lot of ways where um, like the only enemy that you have to just wait until they stop blocking is like the one Wolfos that appears in that game or like two, I think there's two in that game um, other thing is like there's only three three Skultulas in Majora's Mask, like, total, if I'm remembering correctly, whereas in Ocarina of Time, they're just everywhere, and in the Shadow Temple in Ocarina of Time, they just, like, drop out of the ceiling geometry, just to be like, haha, player, we got you, it's like, come on, um, whereas in Majora's Mask, you can actually see them up on the ceiling, and if you know that they're there, then you can use the bubble to, like, shoot them before they drop down, it's just little stuff like that where I can see that, they weren't so worried about making the game work in 3D, which is not an easy thing to do, and I think they really nailed that. It's just they're like, okay, now we have this framework, now we can do something better, and then they would continue to up, you know, and they're still they still are honestly. Right. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I I really want to get to Majora's Mask. I probably will. I don't know. I'm sure we'll do this for this podcast too eventually. But like, oh, I'll make you someday. <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah, that'll be that'll be an interesting one. Uh, you know what? Could we both die on a hill though and make everybody angry? Sure. Ocarina of Time is definitely better than A Link to the Past, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, I tried to play Link to the Past because I'm like, this is one that I've never played. I fucking could not play it. I was like, really? Are you kidding me? Yeah, I struggled with it too. I got like halfway through. Um, you know, I I need to give it more chances, of course, but. <laughs> It's just I don't know. This is like my third time, third attempt trying to get into it. I just cannot. I get to the water temple, and then I beat that, and then after that, I'm like, I can't anymore. All right. Now that we've made some enemies, there you go. So um, the fans come at me. Majora's I Mask the, best. I put the other uh, recent release, um, well, recent in quotes, uh, and you took the uh, liberty of putting its full name here, so I have to read it. So thank you. Uh, yep, Near Replicant version 1.22474487139. Dot, dot, dot. Thanks, Square Enix. You're great at naming things. I uh, uh, appreciate it. Yeah, so this is a sort of remake, re release, whatever, of uh, the first Near game, which has an interesting lineage. Like, I had no idea about all the differences between versions of this game. Um,. Originally, there were two versions of Nier back in the day. And by the way, if you don't know, Nier is a action RPG, um, very much a, a uh, developed in Japan. It very much has that style. Um, and, and Nier Automata is a more recent release in the series. Uh, but I did not know the version differences between the version we got in America back in the day and the version Japan got. Uh, so Japan got Nier Replicant originally, like ten years ago or whatever, and we got a game called Nier Gestalt, which is basically the same game except for the main character you play as is different <laughs> um yeah it's weird because like the side the main side character is different it's this girl i don't remember a whole lot of the plot but so the... well, yeah hey God, it is so it's 
the, the the story of the game is you are taking care of and in you know, replicant the version I'm playing now because it's the version that got re-released. Um, it is your brother protecting your sister and trying to take care for her. Um, and in Gestalt, back in the day, that you were her father, so you're a much older version of the character, which is such an interesting change. Um, yeah, Gestalt is the one I've played because I actually have the 360 version of that. Right. Um, it's strange. <laughs> And I, yeah, it's so interesting. Uh, but Near Replicant's the one that got re-released, not and wasn't a Near Replicant was like the PS3 exclusive version, and then it's, Near Just Salt was an Xbox 360 Xbox exclusive. Or? But I don't think the PS3 version came out over here or something. Or I'm pretty sure there was a region it. difference, not a yeah, system-based difference. Yeah, it's it's fascinating. Um, I, w- I might YouTube some of the uh, Papineer stuff because I want to see what that what that is. Um, but yeah, so if you know anything about Nier, it's kind of at least Nier Auth- uh, Automata was about Automata, whatever the name of that stupid game is. Again, Square, thank you. Um, it's kind of more about its meta story than it is its actual story, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, and this one kind of feels similar-ish. It's it's definitely not quite as meta as Automata. At least so far, I have gotten two of the endings um, at this point, which I wasn't intending to do. I was just intending to get one, but I blasted through and got the second one. Um, and so far, and I know this is a little unfair, kind of talking about Ogre in a Time and your frustrations, I kind of feel the same way about this game, where a lot of the quest design I find kind of frustrating um, where it's a lot of back and forth, a lot of fetch questy stuff, particularly all the side quests. Like essentially, you could just skip them all. They're all basically fetch quests, and they're the worst kind. Where you like, somebody will be like, "Can you get this thing from the store in another town?" So you run all the way over there, get go to that like shop or whatever, and the shop will be like, "Oh, I don't have that thing. If you get me three of these other kinds of items, I can give you that thing though." And it's just like, oh, it's like the kind of RPG quest design that makes you want to rip your hair out. At least for me. <laughs> Like, I hate that stuff. Um, and so that's super frustrating. Um, and, yeah, there's just a lot of back and forth. This game feels small. Like, you will be repeating areas a lot. Um, <clears throat> which is not ideal. <laughs> um, so, to illustrate this... <clears throat> again, apologies. Um, so, okay, let me back up. Nier's, <laughs> it's kind of hard to explain. It's kind of predicated on you playing it through several times <laughs> um, to get different endings. Um, and that the problem with that is it introduces a lot of retreading and redoing things. And it just kind of makes the whole experience feel bloated <laughs> in a very bad way where you're just going to be repeating the same thing over and over again, and it just stops being fun. Um, after a while, I finishing the Beast scenario, I was like, I'm kind of glad Resident Evil's coming out, so I have an excuse to take a break from this, because I don't really want to play anymore. <laughs> uh, because I am so sick of running these dungeons or whatever over and over again. Um, to give you an example, there is a... So the first kind of dungeon-y area you do in that game, you'll do it almost right away at the beginning of the game, then you'll do it again in the middle of the game, and then once more at the end. So you do it three times in one playthrough. 
And then when you get to the next playthrough, thank God they cut out the first half of the game, so it starts you from the second half, but then you still have to do it two more times. This game has, I think, four endings, so by the end of this game, you'll have done that dungeon, what, nine times? <laughs> and so it's just, it's just like the repetition totally got to me, and it sucks because there's a lot of good things about the game. Um, I think story-wise, there's a lot of really cool lore things in there. Um, lots of really cool dark fantasy sci-fi elements that I don't want to spoil because they're legitimately cool. Um, but yeah, I think having to play through it X number of times totally soured me on the experience. <laughs> Which is a shame because it's something that I feel like Automata did much better. Um, but you know, again, this is a sequel. I get it. It makes sense. But um, with that game, you'd play through it. The second playthrough of that game was largely the same as the first playthrough, but you were playing as a different character. Um, and then subsequent playthroughs weren't actually playthroughs so much as they were just continuations of the story. Whereas this one, the second playthrough, is almost the exact same thing, but you get a couple extra scenes peppered in here and there, which are good and give you a lot of context and usually make you feel bad about whatever you're doing. <laughs> um, but it it's not... It's just... It kind of, and honestly, it feels like a lot of it feels superfluous. Like, why weren't these scenes in the first playthrough, you know? Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. Like, it sounds like you could just include this all in one. Yeah, it really does feel that way. And that is just a bummer. Um, uh, I also think, like, just to get some of the more negative stuff out of the way, it they, so they say they overhauled the graphics, and I believe them. I've seen some footage of the original. It does look better. It still doesn't look great. It's not a particularly good looking game um it looks fine but it's still like i don't know it has that very like xbox 360 <laughs> jrpg kind of look where like a lot of the textures aren't that great and blurry and stuff like that um is it like just very brown and green in my in your opinion in I your experience i'd say it looks lush um okay there's a lot of green but i wouldn't say it's like that maybe it was just the xbox 360 version but i remember it being very like dull yeah it's it's more just like you look at textures and they just look blurry like it just yeah, doesn't look fair. like a modern video game um which in essence it's not but also it's a remake and i don't know i i it's a bummer and then the other thing i do want to criticize and i know we talked we kind of talked about this a little bit when you were playing xenoblade um you have a main party member uh called um kaine who's um he's a really cool character who's like this badass woman with two swords uh but her character design is fucking stupid <laughs> i just want to complain about it for a minute because i think it sucks it's that very shitty male gazy like we gotta have this character and we're gonna basically put her in lingerie <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yes the famous combat lingerie <laughs> yeah the best armor like, here's a little bit of under boob and also from the back it's just her whole ass enjoy <laughs> like it's just not great especially when this character is like a badass and she's swearing all the time and she's super fun and dialogue and stuff and she has a really cool backstory or a really disturbing one actually like it just really undercuts all the cool stuff about her than to see her in game and be like, why? Why is this like this? <laughs> Let me fight all these monsters while wearing a bikini. Like, come on, game. Yeah, but I mean, basically, like, it just, it's a bummer. Um, and Atomata yeah, also has some of these issues. That is very much the, the way. issue I had with Xenoblade. <laughs> but Xenoblade yeah. at least had alternate costumes, so I could just be like, okay, um, hey, sh uh, sh 
Charla, I think is her name. God, I forgot the names already. I was like, hey, Charla, uh, you, your armor sucks here. Just wear your uh, tank top and jeans the whole game. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing. This game also has alternate costumes. They are no better. Oh, damn. <laughs> yeah. They don't at just least have so t-shirt and jeans. Two of them. I think there's at least three. I don't know. Um, yeah. And it's just like, maybe, and honestly, it's like, the issue is like, it's not even sexy. Like It's just weird. <laughs> No, it takes you out of it, too, because you're like, why are you wearing this in a battlefield? Yeah, it's just dumb. And then the characters are constantly... Like, there's a character... Um, you get this floating magical book called Grimoire yeah. Weiss, who's this kind of... Yeah, kinda, that's near. <laughs> uh, weirdo, like, saucy British man. But he's constantly commenting on it, and they're constantly doing jabs back and forth in a way that's like... I think they're trying to tell me they're making fun of this character design... But also that sucks when you keep doing it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you could do that. Be like, oh, look at look at the... Like, he keeps calling her hussy, which is annoying. Look at the hussy in her fucking lingerie. And it's like, okay, yeah, I get that you're doing that. But when she is wearing that the entire game, it just comes across as like, okay, you're acknowledging it, but you're not doing anything about it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and unfortunately, it's like a really... Um... That's like a common anime trope as well, which is super dumb. But like video games, stop it. I'm looking at you, Xenoblade. I'm looking at you, Metal Gear Solid Five. Like, just cut it out. Yeah, it's just frustrating. And then also, there's another moment like that too. By the way, when you're doing a fetch questy thing where it's asking you to run forth back and forth between villages, which is annoying. And Grimmer Vice is like, "God, isn't this annoying?" <laughs> I'm like, "Yes, yes, video game. It is." Let me let me lampshade the problem. <laughs> yeah, and it's just like. I would really rather you not have that line in there because like, it just brings attention to it. It's so annoying. Um, I don't want to sound like I'm completely negative on it. I do think there's really cool story stuff. Uh, it's got a bunch of cool things going on with it. Um, the combat's fine. It's very simple. Very simple. It's light, heavy attacks. Um, supposedly, it's overhauled from the original. I can't speak to that. Um, it definitely doesn't feel as good as Automata's did. Um, which, you know, granted, that was Platinum, so... That makes sense, given um, circumstances there. I, yeah, um, I overall I'd say it's a good game, and I'd say it's a game you should probably take slowly. Like, you should probably play through it once, maybe wait a week or two, play through it again. You know, don't try to do it all at once like I just did. Um, I, th I do think that'll sour you on the experience, at least if you're like me and kind of get frustrated with having to do things over and over again. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't mind. I played Eternal Darkness three times in a row. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just when you're doing that fetch quest thing I was just referencing for the second time. Oh, yeah, no, then you're like, come on. Yeah. It's also weirdly presentationally, like, I talked about, like, the first game I understand was probably, you know, maybe a lower budget thing. I don't know for sure, but I just, given context, I'm assuming. Yeah, here's a here's a spinoff of a not very well-known franchise <laughs> based yeah. off of a bad ending of the third game. Yeah, um, which is really interesting. <laughs> That's um, wild. Yeah, I can't believe that happened. Yeah, one of the things, though, during the second playthrough, you get sort of a scene about one of your party members that I don't want to spoil because it's really good. But that scene is all text. And so you're going to be reading text for like half an hour, just text on a black background, which feels like something they could have maybe improved on for a remake. Yeah, uh, especially for the remake. That's I'm torn on it, honestly, because... At once, I do feel like it feels, you know, to use a probably bad word for this, but kind of lazy. Um, uh, 
example of this, but also it's like the best writing in the game. <laughs> like it's really good writing, but it, I don't know. It's such a weird thing. Um, so yeah, near it's good. Just take it slow. If you're going to get it. Um, yeah. And there, bring, there's just some cool we'll stories. We'll probably talk more there. about this at the end of the game, at the end of the podcast too. Yeah, we do have, um, we do have, you know, interesting thoughts about maybe doing this series someday, but like, it's such a, yeah, it's a thing. It's a, it's an interesting thing. It's got some weird shit in there, some weird cool shit. But yeah, just expect to be repeating stuff, unfortunately. All right. Let's On talk about some news. current events. What's that? On with the news. On with the news. Uh, why don't you tell me about E3? Yeah, this is just a quick thing. They announced that Square Enix, Sega, Bandai Namco, Xseed Games, and Gearbox all signed on to present at E3 2021. Um, just hearing that seems like E3 2021 is going to be a bigger thing. Um, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be not. a thing. It wasn't a thing last time, so... Um, yeah, I mean, you get some familiar faces. We haven't heard from, like, you know, the three the three giants, but... Uh, believe, you know, Square Enix always has fun, and Sega. I believe this whoever. is in addition to because I'm pretty sure they announced Microsoft was going to do something. Oh, I, I don't doubt that Microsoft and Nintendo will be there. Sony, I'm a little yeah. skeptical on whether they'll show up. No, I'm sure they'll do something around that time, but I don't think it'll be part of E3. Um, yeah, same with Nintendo. Honestly, like that could go. So I think way. they also announced Nintendo. I do think there was an like a early because one of the interesting things was Konami was on it, and then they backed out like a week ago. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I'm pretty sure Nintendo and Microsoft have already signed on. Um, which Perfect, cool. Really, just for us, that just means they're going to do a Nintendo Direct at a Microsoft Showcase. It's not going to be any different. It'll just probably have E3 branding on it. <laughs> so. Yeah, but I don't know. I, I always like E3 season. Oh, 100%. I fucking love E3. Um, it's, it's, like, fun in a way that I missed last year, um, even if they still tried to recreate it. <laughs> But I don't. I didn't feel like they were as successful. Um, uh, we did this is an update from last time when we talked about Sony keeping the Vita and PS3 stores online. Um, they're still being shitty and not allowing developers to submit past that initial deadline they set, um, which sucks. Um, yeah. Because as we talked about last time, they were sending out dev kits to Vita developers like two weeks before they made that announcement, which is super shitty here make and publish this game in two weeks uh, an impossible task yeah um so i think the deadline is like in august if i remember correctly but yeah that's that's a bummer and i think that sucks <laughs> um, yeah i mean i feel like vita um is going to become one of those platforms like the dreamcast is where it's going to be like just a bunch of people developing random stuff for it <laughs> far into the future. Uh, but yeah, I mean, especially if they're expecting like a commercial release, maybe they dumped a bunch of money into a project and now they are not going to get it back. Um, I doubt a lot of like huge projects are still happening on the Vita because no, the Vita it's isn't does. very popular, but yeah, uh, but that still sucks, man. I especially, I mean, you said like indie devs, if it was like a Kickstarter project and that was one of their promises, then they have to rework all of that. And yeah, it's, it's shitty. Um, bummer. Uh, you know, shout out to Vita. Vita means life. Vita means life. Vita Island. I'm there. Um, 
I love my Vita. <laughs> it was the Switch before the Switch. Uh, and I get that, like, they they have to stop this eventually, but, man, they could have really given more warding and or, like, grandfathered in developers that had already set dates or something. You know, like, come on. Yeah, Do better. people with dev kits. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, I get that, like, there's probably, like, five developers max who are developing Vita games, but let, let them finish their projects. Yeah, that's kind of lame. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell me about PlayStation and Discord, though? A much more positive story. Yeah, I mean, we talked previously, uh, it wasn't last episode, maybe, but the PlayStation part partners with Discord. The We talked previously that Xbox was looking to just buy out Discord, and Discord said, no, we're just don't do that. Um, so then PlayStation presumably just swoops in as like, Hey, can you just, uh, join us and maybe put discord on our console and sort of integrate with the PlayStation network stuff, uh, which is a lot better of an approach, I think, than just, Hey, can we buy you? (laughs) Um, but yeah, I mean, I love discord. I think it's a great platform and having that sort of integration with the PlayStation consoles, uh, which is what they said specifically would happen. I think that'll be great. They're saying it'll um, start probably about early next year. So like first quarter 2022 is when we should expect to see it. Cool. That's exciting. Yeah, Discord is fantastic. So I'm happy to have it on my PlayStation rather than their chat thing, which isn't yeah. super hot. So, All right. You want the sad news? Ugh. <sighs> Uh, so Toys for Bob will be supporting Call of Duty Warzone. Um, and on its front, you might not think that sounds super bad. Toys for Bob has done lots of support work for Activision. Um, it, so the thing about this that really stinks is, um, one of the major artists for Spyro, uh, Reignited and Crash 4, I believe his name is Nicholas Cole, um, who designed Crash's redesign and Spyro's redesign, I believe, um, so great, great artist, <laughs> honestly, fantastic work. Um, he, he basically was like, Hey, I, and everybody I know who worked there is gone now. <laughs> um, it basically, this basically looks like Activision is just turning them into a support studio to aid in call of duty development. Um, which is super lame. I, this is shades of what happened to vicarious visions a couple months ago where they got absorbed into blizzard. It very much feels like Activision just being like, fuck, here's our money cows. Um, we just need you to work on that. Uh, and it just, it's just a bummer because, like, what a cool, creative, unique studio and what a bummer this is. Beyond my being upset over Crash and Spyro stuff, which, you know, we might get more of that. This doesn't say we won't, but it just, this is just a bummer. This was sad to see. Um, they conferred this via their Twitter, by the way. It's, yeah, I I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, it's especially damning is that the specifically are working on Call of Duty Warzone, which is their, it's free-to-play, right? It's a free-to-play Battle Royale Call of yep. Duty game. Yep. So that's one where potentially there's just, like, no end to development. <laughs> yeah, so... The discourse around this became so bad that Activision actually had to get out and say something. Um, and they said Toys for All will be supporting this and Crash Bandicoot 4. Um, but they specifically said Crash Bandicoot 4, which does not fill me with a bunch of confidence that yeah, we're going to get Yeah, what are they doing stuff. with Crash 4 other than... Patches. I mean, if there's DLC, but like... 
I don't no, see I'm that sure happening. It's just a couple patches. Like that's the problem. Um, they also in that statement, by the way, and I was hesitant to report on this because it feels off to me. They said no employees were let go. But that to me feels like, are you saying that on a technicality? Because the artist literally said that nobody works there. We (laughs) didn't let them go, but they did leave. Yeah. Why did they leave? Because they were pushed out or because they didn't want to just work on Call of Duty where they wouldn't have, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it feels dubious and shitty. Um, So, and I will say, as a note to this, I didn't put this in our doc. There's a lot of. How do I say this nicely? The Crash and Spyro community, I think, are... They have a lot of... They seem to look at Crash on the run as like a positive reason as to why we're going to get more Crash and Spyro stuff. Which really bums me out. Like, if yeah. we're at the point of, let's hope for scraps from a crappy mobile game, <laughs> I'm just so sad. Like, that's not good. Um... As part of this, there was a leaked image of Spyro coming to On The Run. And uh, let me tell you, I do not like that design <laughs> on a personal level. Uh, is it as bad as Skylander Spyro? No. You should look it up real quick. It's um, To me, my problem with it is it looks like somebody played Telephone with a reunited design. <laughs> like, it just, it just feels like they changed it to change it, which is whatever. I mean, there was a bunch of people freaking out about that, too. Like, oh, is this Spyro's new design forever? But, like, also Crash has a different design in that app game than he does everywhere else. So I'm not too worried about that. Um, Yeah. Yeah, Um, this is... This is blocky. (laughs) Yeah, he's got, like, a big nose and more pointy horns. It's a... I, I get it, personal taste, but I look at that and I'm like... This reminds me of his, like, Legend of the Legend games design, and I don't like that. <laughs> I don't like that yeah. one bit. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's still possible. There were, you know, everybody's been talking about how Spyro 4 is probably in development at Binox, and we haven't heard anything about them, so maybe I'm, you know, going to try to be optimistic, but also won't be surprised if we hear about Binox also working on Call of Duty or something. <laughs> Beanox is deceptively large though because sometimes it's like oh well what is Beanox up to and then they're like oh we did uh everything <laughs> it's like oh I mean, okay so vicarious visions <laughs> yeah i guess that's fair yeah i just it just it's a bummer to see all this stuff um who knows it could be nothing we could next podcast be talking about spider four's announcement god i hope so i will oh, lose please. my goddamn mind activision proof is wrong my goddamn mind um also, Activision, if you're listening and you do end up announcing Spyro 4, send us the cool press things. Oh my god, please. Please. <laughs> um, I want an egg. I still want one of those stupid purple eggs. Um, Alright, you want to move right, on this to the next big one. news? Yeah, so this is fascinating stuff. We cannot cover it all. There's just too much. So if you are living under a rock and you somehow do not know... Apple and Epic are suing each other. <laughs> um, yeah, I think this happened accurately. a bit ago. This kind of exploded a bit ago. This was when, um, if, in case you missed it, the Epic announced like a different way to buy Fortnite money. And then Apple was like, you can't do that. You can't undermine our in-app purchase bonus. Yeah, because specifically like, we get a cut it was of getting it. around Apple's like 
30% take or whatever. Yeah, so Apple got upset about that because obviously Fortnite rakes in the cash uh, and Epic wanted more of the cash. Uh, So they sued each other and now we're finally seeing the lawsuit battle of it. Lawsuit battle of it, but... And I, maybe this is just me being an idiot about legal stuff. I have no idea. There's so many like weird things coming out of this that I would never have thought that would happen because of this. <laughs> like, yeah, it seems so wild. Interesting stories coming out. Like, it's fascinating what's happening right now. Um, one of the first things is like the games industry as a whole is having a lot of problems with this because a lot of secrets are getting released that are not supposed to be released. Yeah, um, it was like a bunch of third party publishers or even like second party publishers were like whoa wait you can't just give our documents to the court that's those are our documents well and they keep um stopping the court from doing this which is preventing the trial from moving forward in some instances like people are trying to present these as like um evidence or whatever and they can't because these companies are like yo what the fuck <laughs> that's which ours. i guess is like a normal thing in most court cases but because the video game industry is so secret that's makes it a lot harder it's a it's so interesting um so yeah uh ign has a fantastic write-up about that stuff actually and it really helped me kind of see it so i really recommend people go check out that article we'll have it linked um uh but one of the the things in here was how epic tried to make sony do crossplay <laughs> and about how that whole story about how sony really did not want to do crossplay at all um, they were vehemently against it, um, which we know from the time that stuff was happening. But um, there was like a really headstrong email from Tim Sweetie from Epic to PlayStation, like, "We're gonna do this. We want to make you guys look like the hero." Like it was—it's very interestingly worded. We have a Polygon article that has that quote. If you want to go check it out, um, just, just like, like a mob boss. <laughs> yeah, basically, just like throwing their weight around. It's so interesting to see how this stuff works. I never would have thought. Um, uh, but that as part of this, it turns out uh, Sony is actually charging crossplay developers. Like they basically see it as if you're, if you doing crossplay, if like the PlayStation audience is basically becoming content for you, for other platforms, you had to pay us, which is so interesting. That That's... the only platform doing that, so like Epic for Fortnite has to play PlayStation for crossplay. Um, and That's other developers wild. do too, which is wild. Um, I guess you get to do that if you're the market leader. <laughs> I don't know. It's fascinating. Um, one of the interesting little tidbits, and this is the kind of thing that I figure happens all the time, but we getting to see it is so interesting. Yeah, um, you put this in here, and I'm like, how does this relate to the lawsuit at all? <laughs> yeah, that I don't. I don't know why this was released as one of those documents as the lawsuit that's mystifying to me if somebody on twitter can explain it to me i would love that please at dustin h dragon i'm so curious but part of this microsoft microsoft's internal review of the last of us part two was released like this has nothing to do with epic or apple no not at all but this is microsoft and playstation but what fascinating insight into how these companies operate and how these companies view their competition. I think this is super cool. Um, I love seeing this. Um, so it's essentially, yeah, it's like a critical review of The Last of Us Part Two, um, and, and I guess the purpose of this is to help guide, you know, 
Microsoft in terms of like what games they're greenlighting and like what direction they should be going. And this is just looking at what the competition's doing and what they're doing right and wrong. And I find that fascinating. <laughs> yeah, the some of the pull quotes here. Uh, this is on a Video Games Chronicle uh, article that they pulled this, but. Um, Microsoft is saying it sets a new bar for what we hope to achieve, but Naughty Dog can't make decent com- gun combat. So yeah, yeah, they had so, some thoughts about that. <laughs> it's so, but like you wouldn't expect it to be like that. Like, it's so weird. What an interesting thing. And you know, I I assume now that all the big companies do this for their competition, which is yeah, but they don't want to publicly say it because then it's like, oh, these this game's sh- bad. It's like you can't really do that <laughs> also uh, i just love this because it's a very it's a very positive take except for the gameplay bit of the game i just like envisioning some you know some like pissed off microsoft fanboys <laughs> can't believe they like it <laughs> <laughs> it's not even that fun <laughs> oh bad. um uh, another interesting tidbit i pulled um Epic has Epic spent uh, 11.6 million dollars on free game giveaways between December 2018 and September 2019. So mind you, that's just for that year. <laughs> Does not count, you know, 2020 on, which they've been giving at least one free game away a week. Um, that's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, and this um, I don't know if it was in this interview or this. There's a chart. Article. There's a whole yeah. Chart there's you a can chart look at of a breakdown. Um, and the chart shows the amount they paid to have the game be free, and then the amount of new accounts created, and then a like average of how much money it cost per new account, <laughs> as if like they created an account specifically for that game. And I mean, I guess that's a v- fine way of doing it. I mean, um, I did. I created my Epic account when they did all the Batman giveaways. I mean that's the main reason I have one is be it's not I've only bought one thing on the Epic Game Store and I have probably about like seventy five games on there. <laughs> I know, yeah, I'm the same way. I bought like two things on it. Um, shout out to Pumpkin Jack. Go play Pumpkin Jack. That's a cool game. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I mean having exclusive like digital exclusive stuff like that, but then also just giving away a bunch of free stuff. Yeah, people are gonna log in and make accounts for your thing, and that gets your name out, and I. That's fine. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I I think it's great. Um, it's just it's just an interesting looking into the business of it all. Um, and it, part of some of this too is like, I I didn't put the number in here specifically, but they've lost a ton of money on the Epic Game Store, which is not surprising, um, considering you, you know I think it's one of those things we all went, you know, you got to spend money to make money, and since Steam is such a market leader on that stuff, like I that doesn't shock me at all that they've lost a ton of money on it. Um, something about not being profitable until like 2024 or something. Um, hey man, which, it's profitable to me because I get free games. Yeah, it's working. I mean, they epic. can afford that. I saw some people like, you know, yelling about that. Like, as if like, see, nobody cares. It's like, well, guys, <laughs> they. I'm sure they know this. Like, I'm sure when they started, they were aware they were going to lose a fuck ton of money. Yeah, but um, they're epic. They don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah, they can spend the money to make themselves big, right? Yeah, if. For every eleven point six million dollars they spend on free games, they probably earn three times that from just that year's Fortnite sales. Yep, yep, one thousand percent. So yeah, just interesting stuff. Um, and like I said, 
this is just four things I pulled. There's so much more, so much stuff coming out. Uh, and this trial's supposed to go on for, I think, a couple more weeks. <laughs> so. Oh, God. So who knows if this will even be done by the next, next report. Yeah, it's uh, really interesting stuff. Um, it's really interesting what we get to see when two giant companies have a pissing match. <laughs> hey, man, as long as Epic gives me those free games, I'm all right. Oh, I mean, yeah, totally. Um, uh, next one I put in here, this is really cool, I think. Nintendo announces Garage uh, Game Builder Garage. Um, this is essentially a kind of teaching tool, I guess, it seems like, a programming tool for users to kind of make their own little games. Um, I kind of boiled it down to, like, it's Nintendo versions of Dreams, you know? Um, yeah, it's definitely like that. Um, this is basically an expansion version of the creator mode in the Labo products, yep. where, like, those you could use the Labo stuff to as um gameplay elements this is more specifically just you know the, the controllers that you have um yeah i think it's it's definitely feels like a nintendo take on dreams but also kind of just about the visual programming language stuff maybe getting people into thinking about how games are made uh think about something like uh the free visual coding language scratch it very much feels like that so yeah. it's mainly geared towards you know younger audience, maybe some early teens that are looking in looking to just make some cool little stuff. Uh, it also only retails for thirty dollars, so that's totally cool. Yeah, that is really cool, um, and hopefully you know that's that's a good thing to get people in. And I, I you know I would I, I wouldn't just limit it to children. I'm sure there's a lot of adults who would love sort of a simple way to start. Oh, um, for sure, yeah, yeah. Um, I will say part of this. The only part of this that I think is stupid. Uh, it's a very Nintendo thing to do. You cannot share your games with strangers unless you give them a code. <laughs> Which, yeah, like, that's <laughs> it's that's so Nintendo. They Nintendo Nintendo that like. Yeah, it's no dreams where there's just like a page of stuff. It's like, oh well, I can go check the people I follow on Twitter and see if they posted something. Yeah, it just it feels very and and it, I do think that like the existence of dreams does make this thing look a little weak. Um, because dreams like you can create assets you can like and you can you know build stuff in collaboration with people like oftentimes a lot of the best dreams are made by teams of people who just work together which is fascinating and super cool and this is this seems like a very solitary experience but you know nothing wrong with that it just it, it, like if you happen to have both consoles and you want a game like that i do think like maybe look into dreams first <laughs> um because I believe but, Dreams I mean, also has the same visual kind of ideas in terms of, like, programming stuff. It's not complicated in that way. Um, but, I mean, if you only have a Switch and this is, but it is $30, cheaper. It's, yeah, it's yeah. not bad. Maybe get it for your kids. That could be cool. Um, and, and here's the thing. I'm sure in, like, two months after its release, we'll wake up to, like, a YouTube video that's like, look at this fucking wild thing somebody made in Nintendo's Garage Builder thing. <laughs> like, you know, there'll be some fun stuff on there. I'm sure. Uh, you put this in here. I'm very excited about this. Yeah, we had the Judgment Day presentation. Judgment Day. Uh, um, there they announced Lost Judgment. Now, you probably know more about this. Yeah, so Lost Judgment is the series. sequel to Judgment, which is a sort of spin-off continuation existing in the same universe as Yakuza. Um <clears throat> 
This is uh, so it's the same team, same developer. Um, they're basically Yakuza games and like gameplay and all that. Um, it's about the thing that's cool about those games though is it's it's about a lawyer, like a hard like just like a lawyer trying to prove a case. They're great. Um, I they seem great at least. I have not played Judgment yet. I played several of the Yakuza games. Uh, but this, I think it's, I think it's going, I think this has officially made Judgment my next playthrough in this series. Okay, I'm going to skip the Yakuza games for now that I have not touched and move on to Judgment, because this looks so fucking good. <laughs> like, they put out a trailer for this thing, I recommend everybody go watch, it's so fun. Like, it's so, like, detective drama-y, like, <laughs> murder, it, it just looks great. It, but, like, they put out that, and then in classic Yakuza fashion, they put out a bunch of screenshots that show, like, a dog walking minigame and skateboarding and just some dumb shit. So I'm very excited. Um, yeah, this this one will probably be pretty good. Um, as part of this, they also talked about how the future of Yakuza, it will be a turn-based series like Yakuza 7, like a dragon, is, and then the Judgment game. So I guess they're committing to these uh, going forward will be the action titles from now on. So interesting. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. Maybe they just wanted... Yakuza to remain weirder or just more chaotic. So I maybe mean, they thought that was best. I don't know. This looks Judgment also me. seems pretty wild. Yeah. I'm I'm very interested and I yeah, I'm probably gonna pick up that PS5 remaster of the first game. Um anticipation for this. Are you I know you you picked up Yakuza Zero, right? Yeah, I have not played it though. Oh god. Do it. I know. <laughs> I have so many just games in the backlog, and then I'm like, I know, I'll play Pikmin too. Whatever. Okay, <laughs> listeners, I implore you, if you have not played a Yakuza title, do it. <laughs> just do it. They are so good, and so, like, like they're getting more popular, but they are, I still think they are underrated <laughs> for what they are. Everything they are I've seen phenomenal. is just, like, the goofiest nonsense I've ever seen, so. Well, the thing that's amazing about that game is, yeah, there's a bunch of goofy nonsense, but then the main narratives are so self-serious, and they're really good. Like, they they do they walk that line really well. Um, so yeah, please please play those games. Um, this next one I put in here uh, for me personally. Um, I just wanted to talk about this for a minute. Uh, three long-term members of Giant Bomb have left. Uh, so I believe that is Alex Navarro, Vinny Caravella, and uh, Brad Shoemaker. They've been there for like a decade plus. Um, yeah, they all announced they were leaving this week. I believe they said this Friday is their last day, so they'll be gone by the time you're hearing this. Um, this is one of those things where we don't know if they left for any particular reason or whatever, but it, it, I, I'm just bummed, I guess, because I love Giant Bomb. Um, their podcasts have been like part of my weekly rotation forever. I discovered them like a long time ago at this point like and it's a weird thing like i i kind of talked about this a little bit on twitter but like i discovered them when i was like when i was in school and like i don't know if you had this feeling but like did you ever like kind of get bummed out because every adult you knew or have heard of kind of sucked because <laughs> they were kind of mm. boring or whatever um like, that's oh. how I felt, and I was always a little depressed about, like, the future and not really looking forward to it. Giant Bomb was, like, one of the first times I ever, like, found content with adults who were very clearly adults, um, who were, like, fun, <laughs> if that makes sense. Yeah, so, okay. That, 
sorry for how sloppy that is, but like, there's a very special place in my heart for for um, those guys, and so I'm I, I'm a little sad that I won't have that sort of like podcast quarter sort of vibe to go back to every week, I guess. Um, did you ever do any giant bomb stuff? Uh, no, I've I've no touchstone to this, but yeah, that's yeah, fair seeing enough. Your, um, seeing your favorite creators move on, it's like you know, it's probably good step for their life especially if they've been doing it for 10 plus years like oh that's... yeah and they're like old like <laughs> <laughs> they're not young people and like you know it's so it's it's not like i'm i'm saying it's necessarily a bad thing the only thing i'm worried about is giant bomb was recently sold i think along with GameSpot to a different corporation and that that is the concerning thing is i'm like well do they have to leave because they were being let go and they're just not saying that because that will suck or if um, they like if they just left because they didn't like the new Leader. yeah 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 which you know who knows that typically what a bunch of people leave at the same time from a place though like nine times out of ten they end up starting a patreon anyway so yeah there you go <laughs> or they just do their own solo stuff and you're like all right cool i still have these guys yeah um and you know i just wanted to say like giant bomb was responsible for a lot of like video games i discovered and like cool people like um I th- that's how i discovered danny o'dwyer there's no clip and like abby russell who's a great streamer and like just a bunch of cool people and like games and all that stuff so i just wanted to give a shout out to giant bomb um because i don't i never talk about that stuff so good stuff over there all right what's this new segment you want to do uh new segment alert uh this is called hey you look at this cool shit (laughs) um (laughs) this is just i want to put in because we talked about um that warhammer game last time necromunda um yeah and I found a couple games I also wanted to highlight here that weren't necessarily new announcements or big games. Um, so I kind of want to do this segment as like, hey, if we find a cool game that's like not necessarily a big new thing, um, maybe more on the indie side, something that like we'd never heard of, we would put it in here and direct people to it. Um, the first game I have in here is Lost Soul Aside. Yeah, this is... trailer looks cool. I'd never heard of it until you put this trailer here, but yeah. man, this looks good. So this looks like sort of a Devil May Cry style action game. Um, it looks like a mix between Devil May Cry, Final Fantasy fifteen, and um, and like near. It has that sort of feel to it. Yeah, it's very neat looking. Um, this is coming out of China. Um, I think there's been some recent stuff there, so there's a lot of like development happening there now, which there wasn't pre- previously, um, which is interesting. And I think technically PlayStation's involved in this release, so that's interesting. Um, so this was technically an indie game for a long time. I believe it was one person for a while, too. Thank goodness, uh, it does not look like that. Yeah, I know. Well, it went away for a couple of years, so I think it's it kind of got reintroduced a couple of days ago. Um, and yeah, I recommend people go watch it. IGN has like 17 minutes of it or something. Uh, it looks really neat. Um, the combat looks like fun. Uh, there's a little bit of a janky like traversal mechanic where your like dragon friend turns into a skateboard and you ride it and i know that's like the coolest fucking sentence i've ever said (laughs) but it does look a bit janky Um, but yeah well it's not finished yet maybe we can trick the (laughs) trick the dragon out yeah i I, this shit looks awesome i'm totally keep your keep your hand on it um keep your hand on it (laughs) keep your eyes keep your hand on the button to click the new trailer (laughs) yes um Possibly the more interesting game, though. And before I say this, do not Google this name. 
unless you put game at the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise, you're going to see some bad shit <laughs> that you did not want to see. Uh, we'll have a link in the podcast. Uh, Compound Fracture. Did you watch this gameplay? Yes, a little bit of it. It looks very... I mean, it looks like a really um, meticulous attention to a specific time period of games. So what Compound Fracture is, is it is a horror-themed first-person shooter, uh, very inspired, and the devs, the devs have said, very inspired by Dino Crisis. So you are yeah. shooting Velociraptors, which is cool as hell. Um <clears throat> And so, yeah, also very game. much inspired by Dino Crisis, it looks like it's on the PlayStation 1. <laughs> yes, so that is the unique thing about it, is it is very much in, in that PS1 style, that very low poly. But the thing that they do that a lot of games of this type don't, is they emulate the shaky textures of a PS1. Yeah, Which so is awesome. Cool. The game is also in 4.3. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> I don't know, I think this shit looks cool. I'm... <laughs> very into it um it's also yeah, weird not... to see a game that looks like that but also running at a high frame rate <laughs> yeah because the playstation one probably would not run this at a high frame oh, rate. not at all not at all uh but it's cool looking um also apparently you can turn all those effects off if you want so you could have it in widescreen and i think you can turn off the shaky polygons too if you're a coward um <laughs> if you're afraid of fun <laughs> if you just want a low poly shooter and not a playstation one shooter yeah, very cool, though. Um, yeah, so I highly recommend people check that out. And I think the wording on the Steam page is coming soon, so that might be an interesting thing. Um, definitely one, definitely on my radar at this point. Oh, yeah. Um, also on my radar, I didn't put a link to it here, but uh, I did share it with you specifically. The There was a trailer that I just missed, and that's for Spark the Electric Jester 3. Oh, yeah. I would have put that in here. I forgot. Um I heard about Spark the Electric Jester, um, oh, that probably was a couple years ago, but the first game is like a mix between Freedom Planet, Sonic, Kirby, and Rystar. Uh, very much has that feeling of like that 90s era platformer, um, and it was a 2D action game. Uh, Spark the Electric Jester 2 is a um 3d platformer it very much feels like sonic roboblast in a way but uh, that could just be me um and then electric jester 3 looks like it's going to expand on what the second game did so it's also a 3d platformer it's got rail grinding and you know you know both of us are big sonic fans so this looks really cool i'll put a link to it yeah the trailer sold me on it and i have not played any of these games yet um i think i might check out two um when i get some time but yeah, it looks really neat. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in. Alright, let's move on to our big topic, which might be a small topic because we've been going for a minute. <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Um, but you, you wanted to talk about sort of uh, game collecting and um, our experiences with that. Yeah, so uh, both of us are... Uh, pretty casual, I would say. G- game collectors are not like deep into the, you know, the charts, <laughs> I, I guess. But uh, yeah, I just had a couple questions that we could lead a conversation with. Uh, so I wanted to ask you specifically, why do you collect games? Um, I'm gonna very boringly answer to say, play them, <laughs> to play them. 
I, I yeah I'm not somebody who's gonna buy something to not experience it um you I, I do have a bunch of games I've bought that I have not touched yet but that's I still have the intention of playing them um that is de- never going to be my style um I'm very much a person like when so this basically sparked it in me when we we have a used game store we we drive to it's a town away basically um every once in a while where we pick up stuff and that's kind of where this started for me recently um and uh I, I do like having a nice case and everything like that but like other than that i don't really care about it being like a special edition or whatever <laughs> like i don't really care about the rarity of the thing i just want it to be able to play it um that's kind of my big my big philosophy of the stuff so so i don't know yeah but what about you yeah, I think I'm kind of on the same wavelength. I'm definitely the kind of person that unboxes all of their Amiibos, uh, mm-hmm. if that kind of gives you a feel for it. Um, I'm probably a little bit closer to more just, like, collecting, where I really uh, really like having all of my games displayed really nicely, um, you know, having nice cases, and then if it's, like, a sp- specific edition then i'll i might spend a little bit extra on it so thinking about specifically like the um player's choice ones if there's an option between the two and they're not different then i'll i might um like search out like a gamecube version that's not the player's choice if it's not too much expensive too much more expensive um i don't know I i find it just kind of cool to have a thing that you know isn't going anywhere like especially with the old consoles where you know as long as that console works and you have a tv to plug it into you're going to be able to play that game um so something about that and just having like a nicely organized set of games i find really satisfying so that's kind of why i'm into it but also yeah very much to play them not i don't generally buy things just because they're valuable i want to actually play the game (laughs) yeah yeah definitely it's definitely like a goal of like i want to experience things i don't want to hoard them (laughs) and not touch them um it's interesting um yeah and what sort of games like i i collect games as i hear about them and i think they're cool like like those are typically what i'm looking for like i i spend way too much of my time watching stupid list videos and stuff so i'm always like Ooh, that looks cool. <laughs> that looks cool. Um, so I've got constantly that stuff running in my head. It's, I wouldn't necessarily, it's a kide. You know, sometimes I go with an objective, like, I want this, because I need this for this series or whatever, but it's never like a... Like, I wouldn't say that I'm like, even though I love 3D platforms, I wouldn't say that I'm like, oh, I need to own every 3D platformer or whatever. It's more just about what I want to play and what I want to experience. Yeah, well, I think that's a great way to sort of find new games is find you know, content creators that have covered stuff and are passionate about them. And then you're like, Oh, that actually looks pretty cool. I'll check that out. Um, you said you look for games in like a series. What series do you collect specifically? Um, I mean, I wouldn't necessarily like, I don't know if I have any full series really. Um, cause I feel like it's also scattershot. Like if it's like a long running thing, it's across multiple consoles and that's weird. Um, like, I think about Assassin's Creed and how, like, I have a bunch of 360, then I also have a bunch of PS4 ones, and, like, it just, it's so weird um, doing that. So I wouldn't say I necessarily feel like a series, unless I want to play that whole series and I need them for that reason. Um, 
But, you know, like, I have all the PS1 Spyro games, right? And that's important for me to own, because I love that series. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't say it's necessarily... Like, I, I don't... I don't know that I've ever gotten in and be like, I need to have every physical version of Resident Evil. Um, oh, God, no. Or something like that. You know, it's... it's With I those prices? For me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely the kind of person that if I really like a series, I will go out and try and collect every game in the series just to have a full set. Um, some of that is easier th- than others. Um <laughs> The ones, and this sort of leads into our next question of what are you the most proud of collecting? Uh, the thing I'm most proud of is that I have a complete uh, physical version of every single Metroid game. Uh, everything from, now not complete in box, mind you, because that would be ludicrous, <laughs> but, you know, everything from the NES one, I got stuff like the Game Boy Advance port of the NES one. Um, The only thing that I was like feeling like I was missing is that there is standalone ports of Prime 1 and 2 for the Wii that were only released in Japan. Uh, That's like the only notable like standalone release that I don't have, but that's because it wasn't released here. Um... So yeah, that's something that I'm like into where I love that series so much and I have all of them. So like if there was ever one game in the series that I wanted to play, it's there. Uh, Same thing for Star Fox. I just finished, uh, I just got a copy of Star Fox 64. So I finally have all of the Star Fox games and just a complete version of them, including like the 3D re-release and whatnot. So I don't know. I find having the complete set just to be satisfying Obviously, I'm not going to be able to do that for every series. I'm big into Castlevania. I'm probably never going to have a complete set of that series. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, so what are you m- most proud of collecting? Uh, I Could mean, be one again, game, like a, a series. I, I'm most happy that I have those PS1 Spyro games, right? Those are, like, if I had to give it all away, keep some... Like, that, that would be the thing I'd keep. Um, I did, a couple trips ago, pick up the second Klonoa game which I like that I have, and I'm hopefully going to play here soon. Um, that is That was not a cheap <laughs> game <laughs> to buy, um, and I would like to pick up the first one too, which is also not going to be cheap, um, if I ever find that. But yeah, so so yeah, I, I mean, I'd say it's more like that. Um, you know, I, I'd like that I bought, I have a bunch of weird Xbox games. <laughs> That's fun. Um, which, by the way, if you just want to go find weird games... Xbox games are hella cheap. <laughs> like, especially for multi-platform ones, are usually way cheaper on that platform. <laughs> like, if you yeah, want to go I think, that way. Um, I think also one of the more proud things I'm things I'm proud of collecting is the complete in-box Majora's Mask. Like, I love that game to yeah, death. Yeah, that's cool. I'm so glad I got that one. Um, so yeah, what is the strangest thing in your collection? You're talking about a bunch of weird Xbox games. So, if you had to pick one game... <sighs> Or one thing, it could just be like a figurine or whatever. What is the strangest thing you have in the collection? The strangest thing? Oh, you're going to have to... I mean, I think it's stuff that's, like, cheap, but, like, weird. Like, like I've seen it everywhere, so I know it's not, like, rare, but, like, I fucking love that stupid Xbox disc that's, like, 
where the half the case is this Tetris, Tetris Worlds game and the other half is a Star Wars Attack of the Clones. Like, it's just bizarre. Like, I don't know. Like, I love stuff like that. Um, yeah, again, Clonova 2 is, is a cool one. Um, Do you have that, um, that McDonald's uh, LCD Spyro game? I, oh, that's right. I do have that. That's pretty neat. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that that's a, a fun thing. One. Yeah. Um, yeah, some of the strange things in my collection are, like, I got into collecting a bunch of weird Wii games. So, like, um, Elibits, Mercury Meltdown Revolution, uh, Mushroom and the Spore Wars, uh, Spyborgs. Uh, those are the ones where I'm like, this is weird. I don't think a lot of people really know or care about some of these that like they could be garbage but they mean something to me um we by the way similar to xbox in terms of like it's pretty cheap yeah there's a bunch of just really cheap shovelware on there <laughs> yeah you um, just gotta maybe look up stuff don't play by leave with that system <laughs> yeah one of the weirdest ones that i just like happened upon that also is like one of the most expensive things in my collection is um I believe it's Romancing Saga for the PS2. Oh, yeah. Um, I still know hardly anything about this series. Um, and then I was like, okay, this is weird. Maybe I'll play it sometime. But uh, then I looked it up. It's like $130 or something. That's awesome. Um, so, you know, it's cool to have that. Maybe if I do get into the series, I don't have to hunt down a physical copy. It's already there. Um, I'm also glad that I got that one for free along with, uh, uh, Silent Hill 2 and 3 (laughs) and like a couple other stuff. So like I kind of lucked out on PS2 stuff. Yeah, that's wild. Um, um, talking about a game that I'm actually super excited I got because I can't wait to play it someday. Um, I don't have it in 64, which is why I haven't played it yet, but, um, I have Rocket Robot on wheels, which is Sucker Punch's first platformer. Oh Yeah. That's a wild one. Um, yeah, that's a cool... That seems like a very cool game. And I, whenever I get around to purchasing and working in 64, I definitely want to play that. Um, that's That one's weird because it comes in a red cartridge. Yeah. It's it's cool, though. Uh, and the other thing I guess I'm kind of proud of is... And I don't have everything I want to have yet, but... And I know it's like a modern platform, kind of. Um, but I pretty much have almost every 3DS game I want. <laughs> Oh like yeah, you have a very robust close. 3DS collection. Yeah, um, and, and robust is sort of like I don't care about turn-based RPGs, so understand yeah, that. Yeah, so, so no like Pokemon or Persona Q or yeah stuff like that. Bravely default or whatever. Um, but I have a lot. The only things I'm really missing that I really do want, um, I'm missing Metroid, um, the 2D one that came out recently, relatively recently. I guess it was a while ago at this point. Um, like four years ago, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I'm missing WarioWare Gold, which I'd like to have. Um, I mean, that's kind of it. <laughs> like, and did you get Majora's Mask 3D? Or yep, I've got that. All right, then yeah, you're you don't want Triforce Heroes? Uh, not really. Oh, you, you're not gonna play Triforce Heroes with me? Oh, I maybe, maybe, maybe I'll pick that up. I, I guess I don't have a Link Between Worlds physically. That was a digital purchase, so. Um, I guess that one. Um, yeah, that's how I feel about um, 
Mario Kart 7. I have that digitally, but not a physical one. Yeah, um, so that, that's a cool thing to have. Um, oh, and Animal Crossing New Leaf. I have that digitally as well. Just oh, a little bit of I, a I don't own that one, but um, but also Animal Crossing New Horizons is my first version of that. So Yeah, um, so I was talking a little bit about this earlier, but what price spike just really upsets you? <laughs> Um, like a game getting more expensive and therefore less accessible. I mean, I think it's it's a lot of the stuff you'd expect. It's a lot of Zelda games on GameCube. Like, I, one of the times we were there, I almost just picked up um, Wind Waker for sixty, um, and that seems to have even gotten more expensive. Uh, oh, which yeah, is but, annoying because uh, I want that version because it is different than the HD version. Um, so that so that frustrates me. Um, also, Phantom Hourglass, not not Phantom Hourglass, Spirit Tracks is also like a, was also a sixty dollar game, and I was like, "Fuck, I want that game, but do I want it at that price?" And I didn't pick it up, and I think it's also gotten worse. Oh, it's um, like seventy or eighty now. God damn it! Yeah, like the Nintendo stuff is super frustrating right now. <laughs> um, yeah, what's really upsetting is that within the last couple months, uh, GameCube and DS games have like supremely spiked and a certain a couple of wii games as well i know like um rhythm heaven fever just recently spiked like 80 dollars. it's like up to like 120 now for some reason (laughs) um yeah but i mean that just kind of goes into what we were talking about several episodes ago where if you don't re-release them or have a good way to play them then the only real resort to playing these is piracy (laughs) you know you know i do want to say we're not snobs about that (laughs) no honestly like uh i think i said this in the eternal darkness episode um i bought a physical copy of eternal darkness and i am glad i have a physical copy of eternal darkness um and that's the version we played for the show but if you just want to experience it then you know like don't spend I think it just went up again. I think it's like $100 now. Don't spend that on that game. No, that game is not worth $100. It's neat, but it's not that neat. <laughs> yeah, like... So, I mean, if you don't have any other option, then, like, piracy is technically there. It's not legal, but it's there. Um, and Nintendo or Silicon Knights or whatever isn't giving you the option, another real option, other than spend 100 to 120 dollars or pirate it like those are their the two options they give you um i mentioned pikmin earlier um i have the wii version of one and two uh i don't have the gamecube versions just yet but the pikmin 2 especially the gamecube version is like 80 to 120 dollars and then the wii version is cheaper but it's still like 60 (laughs) dollars So if you're looking to get into Pikmin, you know, maybe you played Pikmin 3 Deluxe and you're like, oh, I have a Wii. I should get those. Well, they're going to be expensive as hell. Yeah. And I think this feeds into like why I like like finding weird, cheap garbage. Um, Why I think it's fun. Like I am a cheap person, honestly, at heart. Like if I'm being honest with myself, I don't like spending a lot of money. Um, And when when we look for games like this and I find stuff that I want, but is like the price or more expensive than a brand new video game. It totally makes me second guess, like, oh, do I really need this? <laughs> like, like it's like the thing that'll turn me off the fastest. Um, and, you know, when it starts getting up there, it's like, you know, 
these old games are great, but also, like, you probably shouldn't be paying full new video game prices for them. Yeah, it's, it's it just, it's ridiculous. such a bummer when, you know, that's kind of the only option. Um, and honestly, like, I've talked about, you know, emulating games is a great way to play some of these that are super expensive. Uh, it's also a fine way of playing some games that maybe we just straight up didn't get here in the States or in Europe or whatever. Um, think about all the emulated versions of Mother 3 that people have done just because Nintendo has not given that to us. Right. Um, but, I mean, I'm also the kind of person that recently I, um, and I didn't talk about this at the top of the show, I started playing Sin and Punishment, the first one, for the N64. Um, mm. That was a Japanese-only N64 game, so I can't play the original unless I do some weird hardware swapping. The and also import a cartridge or i was like okay well there was a WiiWare version but WiiWare's not around so i can just pirate that to my wii but also that same version is available on the wii u for twelve dollars so i'm like okay i'll spend the twelve dollars just to legally obtain it rather than pirating it so you know if they have the option i'm willing to give them money for it but they don't always give us the option for that oh yeah totally and I mean that's the thing is when those options go away too prices spike as we saw with PS3 games recently <laughs> like well and that's uh, why GameCube is so expensive is because they don't re-release them <laughs> yep and it's it's a shame um yeah I do think some of that stuff will come down as quarantine stuff starts lifting and people are more comfortable going outside <laughs> I do think we see that stuff spiking because there's a lot of wealthy people who haven't been doing anything <laughs> um, or are willing to just be like, yeah, fuck it. I'll buy these games from when I was young or whatever for whatever price. And that, you know, drives the price up for everybody. Um, and I do think we might see some stuff go down. Maybe not everything, but I do think it's not all going to be that high forever. <laughs> yeah, but it's wild just to see that, like, certain games... I don't think we'll ever go back to the price they were previously, but yeah, they will trend down a little bit. Um, but it's just wild to see. Like, um, I was looking it up the other day, and I my sibling got me Fossil Fighters Champions for the DS, <laughs> um, which is like just super weird. <laughs> um, but they got it for me for like five dollars at a garage sale. And it's complete in box, and they're like, "Here, do you want this?" And I'm like, "Sure, thank you." Um, and then now it's like seventy dollars. <laughs> I'm like, "Why? You shouldn't spend stuff like this." It, it's because it's a niche franchise that probably didn't sell super great, or it sold fine enough. Um, nostalgic for some kids, and then they got rid of it and want to buy it again. And then it also isn't available on anything else. So. Yeah, and the thing is, like. This stuff doesn't usually annoy me. It, I mean, okay, it annoys me. It doesn't anger me usually um, with this stuff. Because um, I, I do get like, okay, if I get desperate and I want to play the GameCube version of Wind Waker, Dolphin's great. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like, if I want to play Echo Knight 1, I can either buy it on PS3, since that's still around, thank God, or I can emulate it. Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not unobtainable. It's just unaccessible. <laughs> the thing that does frustrate me though is when it's modern games because they didn't get a big enough print run when they should have stuff like gravity rush 2 which is oh that makes me upset yeah yeah that like that's upsetting or i guess xenoblade chronicles 2 
Uh, that really, oh my god, I'm so upset about that. Like that game's a physical not old. version. <laughs> you know? A physical version of Xenoblade Chronicles Two is like seventy dollars, and I'm like, why? <laughs> yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, and yeah, I can get a digital leaf, but it's still sixty there. So like, what is going on? Yeah, well, yeah. So so that's the things I was driving to, especially with Nintendo stuff when they never put their stuff on sale digitally so it's just this like frustrating thing of like well it's expensive either way (laughs) and that sucks yeah because for a lot of those old like ps1 games um a physical version is going to run you a good amount of money that's to be expected they're not making more obviously so you know if it's a niche thing that wasn't printed a whole lot then there's a lower supply price goes up yada 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 but then the ps3 store shows up and that's why we can get you know echo knight for like six dollars shadow tower for like six dollars whereas echo knight a physical one is like six dollars which is like a eight hundred dollar video game which one was that the adventures of tron bond oh yeah that's wild that like yeah, i picked but that that's up why we were all scared it was gonna close and like that game physically is like eight hundred some dollars it's ridiculous yeah it's wild so um and this is why you know having near replicant get remade in some sense even if it's not like a great you know modernization or a great like remaster of it just having it there on the ps4 and then playable on the ps5 means you no longer have to search out either a foreign ps3 to play the ps3 version or an xbox 360 copy of it it's just more readily available in a slightly better sense so you know when replicant version 1.22474487139 dot 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 comes down in price it's going to be easier to play than the alternative and that's always something i like to see yep thousand percent um that's why those releases are important um releases and also just backwards compatibility you fuckers oh god yeah (laughs) like come on um yeah, I don't know that I have anything else to say. Are you? Yeah, we've rambled long enough about this. <laughs> yeah, that that was good. Um, uh, thank you for listening once again. Uh, this is sort of our off week podcast. Um, on, on sort of the main main show, we pick one game and we kind of deep dive, do a review on it. Um, coming up, we have Prey. Two thousand and six. That's the year. Um, which is a. It's an experience. It's a oh, it's a wild one. It's a fun, corny little shooter. I enjoyed my time with it. Um, so yeah, check out that. Um, and then previously, what did we do previously? I might just, oh, Little Nightmares Two, which is an excellent video game. Um, so look back in the feed for that. And yeah, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, if you want to keep up with the show and what the show's doing and whatever any last minute changes or whatever, you can follow it at Save Station Pod on Twitter. Connor runs that account and does a great job. Uh, Connor, where can the people find you? Uh, I'm at Conifer SSR. I almost said my old one again. What is up with me? Um, yeah, at Conifer SSR. If you want to follow me and tell me why I'm wrong about Ocarina of Time, sure, <laughs> fine. <laughs> um, where can the people find you? Um, you can find me at Dustin H. Dragon on Twitter, where you can tell me why I'm wrong about Nier. <laughs> And you can tell Dustin and me, definitely tell me as well why this Microsoft review came out in my lawsuit. Oh my god, please. If you have insight, please. I want to know. I'm desperate to know. It's so interesting. 
Uh, yep. Well, thanks for listening. Uh, and please remember to be good to each other. Yeah, and take care. Bye.